and welcome back to the 905 podcast and first episode of 2022 uh, looking at well looking around the 905 and seeing what's happening uh with myself uh roland tanner i am joel mcleod and uh, i hear tell once again of of uh, a nasty a nasty bug going around joel um which has um been making the news over over the holiday period um and uh it will surprise yeah. no one to hear that we have thoughts um why didn't you take it away with yours first yeah i believe it's diagnosed as stupid conservative syndrome um because that's i think that's the, the how a lot of parents in the 905 are, are taking it as you know we're, this is what lockdown four now am i lost track lockdown number four i guess mm-hmm. um but I, i'm a parent of uh two uh elementary school kids in uh in halton and yeah they are they're at home with myself and my wife and we're we're hunkered down for yet another winter winter round of uh stay at home and avoid the uh the pandemic um i want to say that i'm surprised by this and i'm really fed up i i I am and i'm not i'm mostly it's kind of what i expected from this government to to uh to just kind of let the ball ball drop i mean we knew that omicron was coming through and it was going to be a big deal um but we knew that as far back as november and even before the the christmas break parents were asking themselves around like what is what's going to happen you know this is this seems to be a a big deal what what precautions are we going to take and of course nothing happened nothing happened nothing happened and we got sent home uh two boxes each of rapid tests and i remember if we remember that was the the rapid test free for all, and that seemed to be it for the plan. You know, the 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 the, the wild west free market capitalists. Uh, let's let's build up a demand of unimaginable proportions, and then cut off supply completely to the market uh, for rapid tests. And that was the plan. That was the big COVID protocol for uh, for the Ford government until uh, we came back in the new year, and then it gave us two two days head notice. Hey, we're gonna pause re- the return to school, and then the, those the day came, and they said, No, you know what? We're actually just gonna stay at stay at home virtual schooling for two weeks again i want to say i was surprised by this i'm not uh i'm frustrated because i don't think we had to be here i think we could this could have been avoided because let's face it i mean if i want to i could take my kids out of virtual school i could take them with me i could we could do a tour of every mall in the 905 i could take it start them off in square one and we could just do laps around that mall all day long then take them in the car and drive down to uh, Dixie, uh, Dixie Valley, uh, uh, mall and do that again and then do Maple View Mall. And I could do all the shops I wanted, to, I want to with my kids. I could take them in and out of every shop I wanted to in those malls, but I cannot send them to school, uh, in their, in their classrooms because apparently that's, that's not safe enough. But, you know, Lord knows if I want to, if I want to go to the Apple store, oh my God, that, thank God that's a priority. Yeah, I mean, I mean my, my my take on things increasingly is just utter confusion, and you know, I I like to fool myself, persuade myself that I'm not a complete idiot. Others may disagree, but I kind of think that you know, if someone like me who's who's fairly who follows the news, who tries to understand it rather than just listen to it, hasn't got a clue what's really going on anymore and why it's going on. Um, why the decisions are being made, um, then that says a lot. I mean, and to an extent, this is beyond an Ontario problem. This is seems to be kind of a global problem. But then again, you know, I mean, I I I have family dotted around the world, and 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 in in two different countries, 
uh, three, depending how you count it. And they have vastly um, different experiences of COVID because of the ways their government's approaching it. Now, I'm certainly not holding up the UK as an example of anything with, with Boris Johnson's attitude, but they have had until now, and I've now heard that the government's trying to cut back on it, um, basically had stockpiles of, you know, every every family has, has um, rapid tests. Um, now, has that stopped the spread? Clearly not, because Britain's full of Omicron. Then again, my, I have a sister who lives in Malaysia, um, where the government is far, far stricter about um, what you can do and can't do, uh, given your vaccination status than, than anything um, in North America. Um, they don't really have Omicron yet. Um, you know, which, which tells its own story that, you know, they've been extremely strict about who can come in and who can go out. And they've been extremely strict about where you can go if you don't have a vaccination. And as a result, you know, in a country that, that uh, you know, is not necessarily considered in the West to be at the forefront of of every technology, although obviously the, the Far East is very technologically up and organized and everything. I mean, I'm a, but hopefully people know what I mean. Uh, they're doing a better job at controlling this than us, but I mean, it, 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 sure, it comes with it with a degree of loss of freedom, in that the government just is not taking any prisoners. Um, but here's the thing: here, here in Ontario, I don't think we need even, we don't even need to go that far. We had the tools with the, our our vaccines. You know, we, we were if you, I mean, if I wanted our listeners to kind of flash back to early fall. I'm, I'm going to say fall or late summer. Uh, you know, the four governors stood up and said, oh, no, we're going to, you know, start in the new year. We're going to pretty much just reopen everything up, forget the vaccine passports, for, forget the vaccine uh, mandates to uh, for businesses, et cetera. We're just going to reopen everything. And by March, we're going to be, you know, this thing will be a distant memory. And that's clearly not the way things were working out. This is not how thing COVID doesn't care about our plans, our timetables or our, our agenda. And that's, well, that's the thing that I, I get from this is that, this government, and I think conservative governments, because uh, I noticed the same thing kind of out in Alberta and and uh, in Saskatchewan, conservative-minded governments are wanting to wish this way, or, or trying to get back to 2019 as quickly as possible. You know, it's it's like let's let's just forget this ever happened. Let's forget this uh, this, this this these two years, and, and we'll just wish it away. And let's blame the liberals or or whomever the unions or, or whomever is in the way. I don't think that's going to happen. I, 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 the more and more we deal with this, the more I get the sense of we're going to get more of these variants. We're going to, there'll be a, a, a theta variant or, or a zeta theory, something, something else will come down the road. We're going to need and a it, bigger alphabet. <laughs> and well, it, that's the thing. We're going to start reusing some, uh, huh. so, some of the Greek letters there. But my, that's my point is that, you know, we're going to keep getting these things for, I, I'm going to say the foreseeable future. I, I don't see, and 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 an end date for this thing. Uh, the the Which interesting means- news out, out of the UK that I, I read yesterday was 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 a that the, the the government over there is cutting back on the on the free um, rapid tests that everybody's had up to now. I, I, I wish to be fair to the British government, which I rarely am. Um, even if they cut back, they'll have a hell of a lot more than we do here. Uh, however, but the the more depressing thing is that that they're envisaging. They're looking forward to the next six years of right. of variants of COVID. The next and six years what, now that doesn't that that's, make you. That's happy what we year. need. We need to kind of wrap our heads around. Is that what if this is what if this lifestyle goes on for the next six years? What if what if yeah, Omicron will come and, and pass. But to say okay, that's it. We're done. COVID's over. We're we're everybody. 
open everything back up. Let's get back at it. It's we have to be realistic about this. Well, and and yeah, I mean, it's not our it, leaders. Our leaders have to be realistic. Our leaders have to have to face facts. There will be another variant down the road. Will it be deadlier than Omicron? I hope not. I really do, but it might. And that's the thing. We don't know what's down the road. COVID's clearly not done with us. We need to stop reacting like, okay, we beat it this time. All right, everybody, woohoo, 2019, here we come. It's not happening. Get it through our heads. Doug what? Ford and Stephen Lecce and Christine Elliott need to get it through their heads. It's not changing. Start planning for how do you, how, how does an economy work with that? And I think the, the, a big thing is, yeah, you say to go into anything, go into a business, to go to do work, do any, any of that stuff. Um, you need to be vaccinated. Talk to the insurance companies and get the insurance company to say, yeah, start charging premiums for unvaccinated workers. The tune will change real quickly because, uh, quite frankly, that's the, the problem is the people who are right now in the ICUs who are, who are taking up hospital beds uh, and really clogging up our, our healthcare system are the unvaccinated. Look at any any epidemiologist, any, any report coming out of our, our system, and you'll see it's the unvaccinated in the ICUs that are causing our, our healthcare system to border on the on the verge of collapse. That's unacceptable, especially when right now it's their personal irresponsibility, in my opinion. It's, di- it's difficult how to say how to disagree with that. I mean, it, it just uh, and their responsibility, which is keeping the rest of us locked down again. I mean. Is Omicron going to spread anyway? Yeah, I mean, clearly, you know, uh, I know plenty of people now who've had COVID who were vaccinated. Uh, you know, and I think it's getting to the point now where most of us know someone who's had COVID or multiple people who've had COVID. Fact is, I've been stuck indoors for most of the last three weeks, um, even though I'm, I've had every vaccination going. Um, because it's like, well, what else am I going to do? You know, um, and it seems to me that you know, last year during the, it is possible to have a relatively normal night life if with with fairly minor restrictions, uh, if you if you act ahead of the curve rather than behind it all the time. Mm-hmm. So you know, mm-hmm. from from last spring to 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 November, speaking personally, I was pretty much living my life like I did pre COVID, just. Put a mask when you go. Put on a mask when you go into a shop. I could have gone to a gym. I didn't because I'm lazy. But I could have done. <laughs> um, uh, I was going to went to restaurants. All these things. I never caught anything. Nobody I was with ever caught anything. We weren't spreading. We were responsible. We were living pretty much like we always did. Now, because of the failure of guts, which is the constant failure of this provincial government, is is its gutlessness. Here we are again, and you know we yeah. I mean, it's like. It ain't going back to normal. There is no end in sight, but that can be fine if, when these new variants come along, we act quickly rather than letting it wait two weeks while everybody goes off on their Christmas vacation. Um, it seems to have happened with with. Uh, I, I just don't Ford. understand. I don't understand why they always do this. Let's wait and see. Like maybe yeah. what? Maybe this one. Maybe this one. Like, oh, this one is going to pass us by. Like dude, it, it never happens. Why? Why would? Why is it? that you you're acting like oh maybe this one is maybe this one's not gonna be as bad as all the scientists and all the epidemiologists predict it will be when have they ever been wrong when have they ever dropped the ball or said oh yeah we really we we didn't do the math on that one guys every single time the 
WHO, the epidemiologists, are, the, the COVID science team always comes out and says, yeah, it looks like this one's, this wave's going to be a bad one. Uh, we should, we should start enacting plans now. And this government says, oh, well, let's take it under advisement. Whom, geez. And they all go behind closed doors and not do Lord knows what. And then come back two months after the fact, say, hey, you know what? We're going to have to shut down the schools, but the malls are still open. And oh yeah, I guess, you know, we can still have, uh, hockey games and, and basketball games and, and all that stuff that, that, that can go on. But we'll lock down the schools because we don't know what else to do. And um, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I'll be honest. I know we're saying that has to change. I don't see it changing because I don't think you're right. This government doesn't have a courageous bone in its body. It is completely in the wind well, and, and uh, we're, we're suffering for it. Let's face it. There's a far higher, I'm not saying clearly the premier is not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying that any of the ministers are anti-vaxxers or certainly not the health minister. Um, but there is a higher proportion of anti-vaxxers in that caucus than probably in any other any of the other caucuses. So, you know, in those meetings, you know that Ford is under pressure from from some of the crazier kind of ideas that are out there. And it's the man who just kind of blows in the intellectual wind, so to speak, to, according to the last person who spoke to him. Um, and I think we just... I can't believe what I can't believe is that the the kind of story of Doug Ford's indecisiveness, his weakness, his vacillation, his ineptitude doesn't come through better through the general media. That this is a weak premier who doesn't really have a clue, who is enormously reactive to to, to whatever happens rather than trying to think ahead. Which is, you know, with everything we knew about Doug Ford before 2018, would have been exactly what we kind of predicted. You know, this guy's not the sharpest tool in the drawer. Um, but it frustrates me that, that, that the media isn't leading with headlines with flip-flop mm -hmm. from Doug Ford every day of the week, rather than the Premier says, who cares what the Premier says? It's just, it's just an insult at this point. Anyway... Um, let's Let, not rage take, for a full half an hour. <laughs> why, don't, why don't we take a break uh, for a word from our sponsor, and then we will be back. And we're back. I uh, hope you didn't miss us too badly. So, uh, the, you, you well, this uh, this past weekend, you you got up to uh, a little bit of ranting on Twitter. Uh, you took a break from the podcast and you started to rant on Twitter about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lawn signs in Hamilton, which normally I'd be like, who the hell cares about lawn signs? But this one actually is, is kind of interesting. It, it's, it interested me. Well, there's the, the actual issue of the signs and then there's the, the, the what, what this story just typifies in, in local government, which is the kind of million dollar question in, in my mind. So to give you the background about midday Friday, uh, announcement went out and a tweet went out from the, from the city saying, you know, there are, there are proposals for some changes to the political signage bylaws that will, uh, uh come into effect this year during the municipal election. Um, click here to find out more. And, and for, for a laugh, for fun, as I said, sarcastically, um, I clicked on the link and then I clicked another link and another link and another link and a few more links and I downloaded a file and I opened the file and I scrolled through the first seven or eight pages and I finally found after all that what what was actually being proposed because you know the city makes an announcement saying we're proposing changes and then makes it incredibly difficult for the public to find out what those actual changes are um, and you know I don't really have a whole lot of patience um, I certainly don't have much patience to, to click that many things and to wade through 
10 pages of, of city hall jargon, uh, which every, you know, everything that comes to council is written in this kind of verbose language that uses a thousand words where you could use 10. Um, and I understand why that is. It's because every document needs to kind of include the history uh, of, of how we got to this point. So every document refers to every other document, blah, blah, blah. But uh, the, the ultimate point was, you know, there's no point saying, you know, find out more when it's actually impossible to find out more. And, and I think city halls across Ontario, I think Hamilton's a bad, particularly bad example, but it, it's certainly not unique to them. Do this pretty much deliberately as a way of discouraging public comment. The other way they discourage public comment is by tweeting something like that out at 12.30 on a Friday before a weekend and saying, if you'd like to comment and provide written comments, uh, we only accept them by mail. And by the way, the deadline is, is midday on Monday. So <laughs> you've got, I mean, basically, uh, Ontario's even post the, does not work that fast. <laughs> even in the best of times, yeah. Canada Post will not move. You will not no. get your mail uh, there. But here, okay. So, so what? What was the the city of Hamilton's big change that required all this hubbubaloo? Yeah, I mean, the actual changes didn't interest me that much, uh, and I'm not earth shattering. Uh, Joey Coleman did a much better analysis than I did, and I encourage everybody to go over to the publicrecord.ca. You can check out the article, and uh, in essence, that they are. A few years ago, they, they amalgamated the bylaws that control uh, election signs um, with the bylaws that control other kinds of signage in the city, like advertising and blah, blah, blah. Um, so having amalgamated, they've now decided that it was better how it was the first way. So they're going to separate it out again into separate into separate bylaws. So um, that's part one. It's just the city undoing what it did. And the other part was um, things like... Um, saying you can't have a lawn sign if you live within um, 100 meters of a polling place, which that reflects the kind of long-standing principle that it's better not to have too much political signage going on at the place where people are going to vote. However, it's also, as Joey, Joey uh, pointed out, kind of you can't actually do that. You can't tell people it, it, it infringes on, on the kind of um, charter of rights and freedoms to say you cannot have a political opinion or make a political statement yeah. um, on your own land. Like lawn signs are actually specifically protected under the charter of rights and freedoms. However much many uh, political volunteers m may loathe those signs. And I was certainly one of those people. <laughs> I think you were too. Um, oh, they're I actually protected. Passion. Um, so, you know, uh, in theory, the city can find someone. Was it fifty dollars or a hundred dollars every time someone uh, has a sign? Well, it, well, it depends. It was a uh, possibly two hundred dollars uh, if you were within a hundred meters of any voting place or an advanced voting place. Um, it, it, that's yeah. I mean, are you going to have uh, somebody with a, a tape measure measure also like where where? Could you check? Would it be like the voting place be like the gymnasium of a school? In which case, you have to go like from that gymnasium, or is it where like is it just the property itself? So could it be the the driveway of said school, or would it have to be the front door? Like it's these these are these are things that you say. Well, this doesn't matter, but it kind of does because you know if you're if you're just within or just outside that boundary, it doesn't matter. What I thought was interesting about this bylaw was the the, the trying to to say what constituted an election sign, right? Um, 
so what they want to incorporate here is like any, uh, the seat clerk can order the removal of signs influencing electors to vote for or against an issue associated with a candidate election or a political party, which is basically like if you're driving around town and you see like the stop sprawl Hamont signs, or you might say, you know, um, save our city or, you know, or stop the, the stop sprawl, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Those aren't directed towards a specific candidate or a group of candidates. It's just that person at that house or apartment says, this issue is important for me. This is how I'm voting along my lines. If you want to earn my vote, this is the issue that, that matters most to me. Uh, and they hope that you, uh, that you feel likewise. It's, I think it's very interesting in this municipal election. This is me with my tinfoil hat on. Uh, so take it as you will. Um, that the city council decided to, to pass this kind, because I suspect this municipal election in Hamilton, there will be a lot of similar signs of people saying, I'm not going to support a, a particular candidate, but I am going to make it notice that I want, say, change in my, my government. I want change at my municipal, uh, government. I want to, <clears throat> I want to curb the sprawl into the white belt, or I want to clean up, uh, Coots Paradise. Uh, in, uh, uh, down by the RBG. And the, these, these things, I suspect you might see some signs like this popping up. I don't know uh, just and, what, and, and, and what I'm just saying is like, I think there are a number of counselors that, yeah, this is, this will be a thorn in their side. This, these issues are things that they have taken clear, clear stances on that people are not happy with their position on these issues or lack of position on these issues. And it, it, it's, it's something that it draws a negative light to them. And if you want to, if you want to be, um, like you say, if you want to put on the tinfoil hat, you could say, well, this could specifically be aimed at the I elect Hamilton people who are basically saying it's time for a change and who are organizing, you know, a pretty vociferous campaign mm -hmm. that isn't supporting anybody or opposing anybody, but is saying it's time for a change. Now, you know, we saw in Burlington in 2018, City Hall getting extremely defensive about um, citizen groups that were, were basically also saying time for a change, uh, accusing those groups of being biased and uh, all kinds of things um, uh, and kind of um, doing all they could to obstruct those organizations, which which, which staff have no business obstructing. Um you know, you may not agree with them, you may not like them, um, but they have a perfect right to do what they're doing because, hey, that's democracy. Uh, and now, I'm not sure if if these changes have been deliberately considered under that kind of thing of, of taking people like I elect Hamilton out of the game because, boy, are lawn, lawn signs probably the most effective tool you have uh, at spreading the word about things. I don't know, but it could be. And I think even if it isn't, it could be interpreted that way by a subsequent person. So, so the, the, the rules are not being written properly to, um, I mean, as Joey says uh, much more uh, coherently than I am right now, uh, it, it's too vague. And, and their vagueness is, is where everything can go wrong because things you're not anticipating get included. And there's a, there's a whole mess now in Ontario as a whole, actually, about the whole third party advertising situation. Um, I mean, I know, I mean, people were, were kind of complaining a while back about uh, the changes that, that, that Doug Ford was making to the third party advertising rules. And I was actually kind of alone 
saying, you know what, this isn't the worst thing because everybody's saying, well, this is his attack on the unions. And I was like, oh, yeah, but it also takes out the um, the Ontario Proud people. Um, right. You know, because that has been a way in which, um, and I don't actually particularly like the kind of union advertising that goes on at elections either. I think it's shitty and it's negative and we, we'd be fine without it. However, I mean, I also have to accept that the... That this is that that just because I don't like something doesn't mean it shouldn't exist, and that political expression has to we have to default well, yeah, uh, towards the here to letting people speak thing, like, side of things. There's yeah, I mean, I, I I'm I'm I I hate political signs during campaigns, and this coming from a guy who ran a few campaigns of his own, I hate them with a passion, uh, most because I think they just they're ugly. Um, you don't really notice them until you drive down a street and you see a bunch of them on people's lawns. And then you kind of get the idea, okay, you're for or against something, or you wanted somebody to be elected uh, to office. I got that. But after a while, you look at them and say, no, they're just ugly. Um, and, and they're a bit of and, an environmental disaster that, that you can't oh, recycle they're, they're, them. You uh, can't recycle them. They're, no. they're, they're, they end up sitting in, pe- in landfills. Uh, it, it's, it, it's such waste. Uh, not to mention, I don't think that they do as good a job as people say, and I would argue in the last federal election here in Burlington, you and I both remarked at how rampant we saw Emily Brown, the conservative candidate signs around town. And we were just said, wow, who is this person? Like she, she has a ton of support in this town. Um, you know, the incumbent Karina Gould is going to be turf because she like, look at all the Emily Brown signs. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Uh, it turns out, no, Karina Gould won a handy, uh, a, a handy majority of votes. Uh, it was un. It was wasn't even contestable. Uh, she she it clearly won. She, yeah, it wasn't close. Thank you. Um, and Karina Gould walked away with another term a, as Burlington's MP. So I look and say clearly the idea. Oh, we need all these signs because we're going to blanket the city in lawn signs. We're going to prove everybody's on our side or not on our side. It doesn't work. At the same time, I respect. Yes, you and you and I and everyone else has a has a chartered right to express our political ideas and and free will and and concepts and all that and we're allowed to put up signs on our on our lines if on our lines if we so wish uh that's just the that's the that's the cold hard reality that every political operative has to accept well what i uh, find it's a a really valuable point that, that dave meslin made about this and again you know we've been talking about basically how government can go through the the motions of openness and accessibility at the exact same time as they're actually making it almost impossible for you to follow what they're doing mm-hmm. um and, and you know the only reason we really know about this stuff in hamilton why it's so often hamilton we talk about is because joey coleman is doing the digging um if that isn't a bad pun with a coleman as a name <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> um Every city needs a Joey Coleman. Uh, we need to clone him and send him to Mississauga and Brampton and, uh, yes. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and Burlington. <laughs> uh, although we do slightly better there. And, and unfortunately, the conventional media used to do this and they don't do it anymore. So, so this stuff is happening everywhere. This is how municipal government operates, how staff operate officers usually independently of council. This isn't, we're not criticizing councillors here, criticizing the way staff protect their, their um, turf, uh, for want of a better word, you know, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, and lawn signs exist because there are so few ways for, for politicians to reach the public. Dave Meslin suggested, it's like, why don't we just, you know, just the public purse, whatever, should pay for like a, a brochure that goes out that has all the candidates in it, that gives the candidates some space to actually talk and expound upon their points of view. 
Every mm. house should get that. Every voter should get that automatically. No need for knocking on doors. No need for lawn signs. The information that lets people make an educated decision would be delivered to them. Now, you can say, well, there always exists. There are websites. There are all these things. Well, sure. But you don't go to This stuff has to be taken to the person and made as accessible as possible rather than ask the person to go to... You know, it's like City Hall, when you're talking about municipal elections, City Hall should go to the voter. Don't ever expect the voter to go to City Hall. That's not the way it actually works. You know, if you're, run- if you're running a store or a, a, or a business, you inherently understand that kind of mentality, but, but municipalities don't understand that. Um, and it's like, oh, they're apathetic because they don't vote. Well, how the, why, why should they vote when they don't know who the hell is running? And the only reason I, you know, as a candidate, wanted as many lawn signs as possible because like, if I don't have lawn signs, no one's going to know my name. Um, so basically, you have the loudest lawn sign you can get your hands on um, because that's, the, that's all most people are going to know. Oh, it's the guy with the lawn signs. One final uh, topic, Joel, you uh, picked up on. Uh, yes. It's HS, HCDSB again. Um, uh, yeah, well, you know, new, new year, new kick at the can, I suppose. So as uh, longtime listeners of this podcast who will remember, we've kept our eye on the, the Catholic school board in Halton. Most of the, at the start of uh, in June of last year, they tried to pass a motion to raise the pride flag at every school in the board. It was soundly defeated. And well, it was just, it was a, I'm going to say just miserable time because it, you know, every, I've never seen such a contentious board uh, kind of devolve into this kind of bickering and, and just really ugly nastiness. And over the, the idea of just raising a, a you know, I was just saying, I mean, it, like even the, the motion wasn't so much defeated because it never got as far as a vote as it was sort of taken outside out back and, and beaten to a pulp uh, <laughs> right. in, in of kind of procedural messing, yes. you know? So um, but yeah. that, that happened, but uh, the, the trustee who brought it forward the last time, Brenda Agnew is bringing it forward again um, in an upcoming uh, board meeting uh, slated for this month in January. Uh, they are going to attempt to yet again uh, allow the pride flag to be flown at board at schools in the Halton Catholic school board. Um, Will they succeed this time? Who knows? I do know this though. Um, Life Life Site News, uh, the Co- Coalition Life Canada, as well as um, uh, a number of other uh, uh, right wing organizations are are now actively campaigning against uh, against this motion. They are very mobilized. They are getting their people to write in. They are getting their people to uh, to uh, do the you know to to petition the, the school board and to delegate at the school board meeting. However, uh, the change this time is Halton Parents uh, for Change is there to there to be a more organized voice this time. They are also advocating for their colleagues, their allies in the board uh, to to do the do the same. I'm curious to see how this meeting turns out. I really am. I'm, I'm curious to see how this this will uh, this go out. Um, yeah. Uh, your thoughts? You, you, another kick of the can for yeah. Uh, well, my, my LGBTQ thoughts are, rights. My thoughts are good for Brenda Agnew. I mean, this is uh, sooner or later this vote is going to pass. Uh, whether it's this this year, next year, the year after, soon. Um, to quote Humphrey Bogart, <laughs> <laughs> there will be pride flags flying over uh, the Catholic school board schools in Halton. Um, uh, my thoughts are that. Real politicians know when to give up 
um, when they've lost, when the jig is up, and when even if they do believe in something, it's better to let it go than to continue to fight it. Um, I mean, that sounds like a real kind of political hack thing to say, but um, my advice to the various trustees who might be wavering on this, and some of them clearly are never going to waver, but some of them might, is if you vote yes, this issue goes away. If you continue to vote no, this just becomes a bigger and bigger and bigger noose around the neck of Horton Catholic School Board. And indeed, the future of Catholic schools across Ontario as, as, as separate entities. Because each time this issue comes up, people start to ask, why the hell do we have these schools? Um, why do we let this happen? Yeah. So yeah. that's my advice to, to, the, to the people who voted no last time. Let's have a bit of political sense. I, I would hope so. I, I, what, what gets me is the, the I, I mean, in all uh, transparency, I have children in the Catholic board. I myself am a graduate of the board and uh, I even volunteered in that board. So I do have, I guess I do have a vested interest, but I, I you know, you and I are, are, I think are two progressive guys. We were very much in, in, in favor of LGBTQ plus equality and rights. This was an issue that we believe said, oh, it's, 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 it's a, such a simple, small thing, but it's such a, a powerful thing, uh, to students who are, are questioning and, and coming into their own in, in this formative period in their life. And just a little help that says, you know what? If, if you discover that you are, uh, on, uh, on that spectrum somewhere, you know, you're, you have a welcome place in, in, uh, in this school environment because you might, you might not have one at home. Is that's the, that's the unfortunate reality, uh, yeah. that we have to live in. And, and that's, and the number, the number of, of what got me is the number of students and teachers and parents who are actually in that school system who were, I'm going to say borderline militant of, no, we want to send a message. You are accepted here and you are welcome here. What gets me is, how it just kind of showed how out of step the board was with its own uh, constituency. So I'm hoping that this is this is an opportunity to kind of maybe rewrite rewrite a wrong, to correct a, a misstep in the past, and hopefully the uh, ho hopefully the 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 board gets back on track and can focus on more sane uh, uh, sane things. Well, uh, put this ugly chapter behind them. A school board should 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 be in the headlines about as often as the police services board is i.e never or almost very close to never in in most regions um you know uh, uh, or, or any of the other boards uh, uh, that exist you know, for some reason we, we elect school boards in ontario that's fine uh, the disadvantage of that is it, it it attracts people who have egos um or access to grind or whatever and again because of the the terrible communication that that candidates you know it's really difficult well you know it's really difficult to, to to reach the voters if you're running for the school board um uh, because you know you have huge territory you have to cover uh, you it's really tough most people stick a pin in the list uh, and you know the more they just keep on hammering away at this stuff the more the more the more we're just going to question why on earth do we have this 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 system um and, and frankly i'm happy to keep on questioning it i mean not the pride issue those flags should be flying right away but i'm happy to keep questioning why we have elected school boards because they are farcical in far too many cases i mean beyond farcical uh, we need to really question why something that we've inherited from history is still the case um in 2022
Good point. And why don't we leave it at that for our listeners? Uh, well, that's this is it for our first episode back for 2022. Uh, hopefully many more to come in, uh, in the year. And thanks for listening, everyone. And take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>